Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Catherine Van Sickle, the stories-based podcast that interviews professionals, donors, and thought leaders in the field of fundraising. What is your purpose? How do you re-energize? In today's episode, Phil Wilkerson shares a bit about his own work, gives us some advice he gives to his students as a career services professional, and then, the fun part, we get philosophical as he talks about the deeper meaning of life and what brings us all here. Phil practices what he preaches. He networked with me via LinkedIn and we connected virtually over the past few months. I was struck by how similar the foundational principles of his work are to fundraising and development. Phil asks us to learn, build a skill, and network during quarantine. Philip is an industry advisor at George Mason University Career Services. He recently was awarded Employee of the Month for GMU in September 2019 and was also included on the 40 Under 40 list for GMU Black alumni, as well as being a recipient for the Pillar Award, which is for a GMU staff who supports Black students. Philip is also the faculty advisor for IOTA Alpha and the GMU NAACP chapter. He is a husband to Maggie Wilkerson, LCSW, and father to two boys, Bennett and Miles. Phil, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. It is going to be really interesting to talk with you about your perspective from career development, being a committed higher education professional with a different angle. Yes. Right now, I currently work as a what we call industry advisor for students. An industry advisor means that half of my job is working with students, but also half of my job is working with employers and connecting the two and bridging the two. So what has it been like working remotely? How is the transition? <laughs> I am a people person. I, I love people. This social distancing has been uh, incredibly tough for me and also for my colleagues as well. Uh, we are in a people-facing job. I work on a college campus. I work with the intention of meeting with people, meeting with students, and also meeting with employers. So having that aspect taken away has been very difficult. Still meeting with students. We're still doing web appointments. You know, if a student was going to come to my office for help, we had to just do it via WebEx and Skype and Zoom. It's not, for me, it's not the same. And the same thing with employers, you know, trying to figure out ways to connect those employers with students. We don't have physical events that we can do anymore. Uh, we have to kind of navigate a virtual space of connecting those employers with students. It's been a challenge, to say the least. Well, we aren't so different because our jobs as fundraisers are also on campus and also really geared around in-person meetings just with a different group of individuals. So I fear pain. Yes, yes. There's transferable skills, you know, networking, communication, rapport building. We're doing those natural skills that I believe I have. I'm almost doing it now with like a handicap. if If we were trying to be the best boxer we can, I'm already, I got my right hook. You know, I got my right hook, but my hand, my best hand is tied behind my back and I still got to box one handed, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like someone took one of my biggest skills and added a really huge handicap to that skill. But I still got to, you know, we still got to step, we got to still step up. We still got to provide a service. We still have to be helpful. We still have to be on for our students or for me, for my students. So it's kind of working around how do, how, do we, how do I still utilize my skills in this time period in a different way? I do think Zoom helps just because you can see people's facial expressions and things like that. I mean, I agree. I heard only like 13% of 
communication is actual tangible words, 13%. The rest of communication is nonverbals, uh, tone, mm, yeah. inflection, inflection and tone, nonverbals, all those other things. So I use it with just anyone communicating, things get so much lost in translation via email. And, you know, sometimes I could, a quick phone call could be just as helpful. But also I think, as you just stated, the combination of seeing someone's face and seeing people nod their head or say yes, or, you know, use enthusiasm and seeing their hands and movement has been somewhat helpful to, to kind of counterbalance this time period of, of not being able to see each other in person. So, yeah. yeah. But a lot of our communication is not just straight words. It's a lot of other aspects. Uh, that right. We're exactly. So how are you encouraging your students right now? And how, I know it, everyone's different, but overall, how are the students taking this, especially the seniors? So I'll just start off like with the seniors, and I, I feel for them. They're so disappointed. They worked really hard to have this be the way to go out. The last hurrah of senior year, um, they don't get the, the pomp and circumstance and, the, and the, the rah-rah of a real graduation. Everyone loves that. You picture, you picture that when you're a freshman, all the way up to that, walking across the stage and shaking people's yes. hands. I kind of work from a, a standpoint of agency. Like, okay, we have so many factors beyond our control. But what do you have control over? What do you have agency over in this time period? Is this, this is a time to continuing learn because no one can stop you from learning in your own home. Build a skill if you have the resources to do so, like a skill in cooking all the way to a skill in digital media and making Instagram posts and all that stuff. And then network. Well, you're going to make it work. You're going to network. Like, I don't know. I just made it up. That's a slogan. You're That's a great it. slogan. Yeah. I, I just made that up. But, you know, this is a time where Everyone is joining a digital space. No one is that far removed. I tell people in this digital space, no one's beyond your reach, man. Think about this. I can add a famous person on Twitter every day. Like I can add J. Cole, which I have done multiple times, you know, to take it to the more realistic standpoint. As a student, you can add or reach out to anyone in a digital space, whether on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, and use this digital space to network. No one is beyond your reach. Worst case scenario for this networking aspect and building relationships, they don't answer you. Best case scenario is that you do get in actual contact with people and then you have a dialogue, whether that's just yeah. asking questions, doing informational interviews, but ask questions like, what are you looking for an employee? Or, you know, how is your company doing this during COVID? I'm a, I'm a senior, you know, what skills can I build right now? If I was gonna put it down to three points, I would say, learn something new, build a skill and network. You have control over that. That's great advice. Have you had students tell you that they've tried it or any examples of success stories on that? Applying for a job is like the real immediate apply, but networking, I, I say, is more like the long-term playing the long game. So we build up strategies, you know, like start strategically thinking of people you want to reach, reach out to, think about people on LinkedIn, do the filters and find people you want to reach out to, plant those seeds of building a dialogue and a connection, but you might not yield uh, the benefits or reap the, reap the benefits of networking tomorrow or today. It sounds or, or just like major gifts. Yeah. This so is like, exactly yeah. the process that we go through. Yeah. You, you know, you know that too. Like when you do, I mean, we, you, that's why you have a contact thing when people use Salesforce and stuff, right? You say, I had a quick phone call, had, had this and this, and then we had a quick lunch. What you realize about people and connecting with people and networking wise is that most times, most opportunities don't yield right away. It's almost like investing uh, in stock. Uh, I call, you know, everyone uses the term social capital. 
mm-hmm. investing in, in, in people, investing in people. So what I've realized, most, it'll usually be the most random time in your life where they'll pop up out of nowhere and say, oh, you know, I was thinking about you the other day. You know, there's a job. Are you interested? Or, you know, we're trying to do this partnership. Do you want to collaborate? And you're like, oh, my, where does this come from? And that's because it was a long-term goal, right, rather than an immediate goal. So I worked with a lot of students that are shy and have a lot of angst about doing this. I would say the success is they actually started conversations with people. Now, whether that's an internship or a job that's yet to be seen down the line, but they're at least starting being comfortable reaching out to people and starting dialogue and asking questions. And and then also they told me, hey, Philip, this person told me a tip and I'm going to start learning. I think it's called UX, user experience. And I'm going to look at LinkedIn learning. I start this because the employer told me this is what they're looking for. So, you know, they got some actual concrete tips from an employer, what they can learn and start learning to make themselves more marketable later. That's great. Do you ever collaborate with the development office at Mason? I would say, honestly, not through my actual nine to five draw. I become more active as an alum of George Mason. I'm on the George Mason University Black Alumni Association. I'm the vice president of the board. Over time, that engagement of being on the alumni side and that has increased my collaboration with advancement and donors. I would think so. Yes. You know, my relationship with them is going to grow. We're going to have meetings at the same table. Well, that's one of the things I've been thinking about recently, because being at a big university, we have pretty limited access to students. And at the end of the day, they're the ones that are driving everything we're doing. And they're the point of why we're working so hard through this time. And so I've just been I was especially excited to talk to you because I think closing some of those gaps would be really important right now. You know, having a regular conversation with career development, identifying an alum who wants to help to directly put them in front of a student, you know, that kind of thing. I think we need to be doing more of. Well, I have a brainstorm idea, which I'm going to implement is in my normal career role. I have to advise students, but plan events, right? But I realized that sometimes my events are not as attended as I dreamed them out to be, but it's because am I getting feedback from the students if they even want this event? Right. So what I've, so what I've done is I'm going to make an unofficial, but I'm making a student advisory committee where I have, I have a group of kind of student leaders. I meet mm-hmm. with them about three or four times and have their input to give me feedback on what they want from the student experience. Most times I really, I advise also an advisor for the NAACP and the alphas and the photography club. And what I've noticed from student advisory and student groups is that when you just get their direct concrete feedback on what they want and need and kind of bridge that, uh, a lot of good things come from that. I'm so glad you're doing that. I'm sure it makes you better at your nine to five job as well, having a good sense of the student body. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think having the students' input can help me tighten up what I deliver to the students and making sure that what we do and what we program definitely always has the student focus at heart, but also touches base on what they really need. And it's a win-win because for me, I need numbers. You know, I need student attendance. I need to have tangible proof that the outcomes, that the events I plan are, you know, well attended. So it's a win-win. Well, I know you had mentioned that you talk with your students about fundraising and about start beginning to think about their legacy. Can you share with us? A lot of our discussion is about helping them realize what they're currently doing and then connecting it to professional experiences post-graduation and being able to talk about it with confidence. Everyone 
has done something related to professional skills without knowing, unbeknownst to them. Oh, you know, I'm not a good public speaker. Oh yeah, but you just got on the mic and you hosted a party. Oh, I'm not a fundraiser, but you raised over $5,000 for a charity. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm not a good, I'm not a good event planner, but I planned something where uh, over a hundred other students came to. You need to just look at your experiences and learn how to, to, to reflip it, reframe it and market yeah. it. Yeah. And how about the legacy piece? Over time, it, it's almost that compound effect, right? It's the big picture. It's the long game as well. I'm a, I'm a person of a combination of what am I doing today? And I like doing stuff. I'm a doer, action, action, action. But then also I like, sometimes I just like, just dream and I'm like, I, I look at the long term, and then it's kind of weird. It's like, I do both. Like I look at the long term, and then I work my way backwards to see how can I get there? And I think that's kind of what legacy means uh, to me. So like, I think of a goal, a big, scary goal that gets me excited, makes me have butterflies in my stomach. And then I say, okay, how can I get there in a small way? That's not as scary and then get there. So I think legacy is little small actions that as they compound on each other, leave a long, long lasting major effect or impact. And mainly for me, a long, long-term goal that has the most impact on helping other people and then going down to the day-to-day of what little things you did day-to-day to reach that big impact of helping as many, you know, lots of people. So that's what legacy means to me. And then I guess with students, I don't know, I kind of tell them, use this time in Mason to leave a Mason legacy, mm-hmm. meaning like do little things each day at Mason that when you leave Mason, you left everything on the table, you did it, you lived your college experience to the fullest, you were involved in multiple things, you, and not to say like you were popular, that's not what I meant, but like, you know, you just really took full advantage of a window in your time that probably is never going to be replicated again, right? How often are we going to have as many resources as we have in college? How often are we going to have the opportunity to just meet new people in a setting like that? It's so easy, you know, you know, it's so easy to just make friends and build connect. Like when you become an adult, it's harder to make friends, you know, in college, in college, when you're in college, it's the perfect time to make friends. And so I tell them, try to take advantage of as many services and events reasonably with, you know, school being your number one priority, but take advantage of so many things. And so that when you leave Mason, you left your own Mason legacy. You did as much as you could in the time that you were there at Mason. How can we think about many COVID legacies? Uh, yeah, COVID legacy. I mean, you know, grow your facial hair and have a really bad beard. Um, uh, <laughs> I would say the COVID legacy for real, for real, uh, in, in all seriousness is I think going back to, you know, I'm practicing when I preach, I said, learn, network and build a skill. The lessons I'm telling students are applicable to me as well. Like, so what am I doing during this time is what can I do to learn network and build a new skill now mind you i got two kids i don't have as much bandwidth i had to set realistic expectations i'm not going to become a pro in adobe photoshop when i got screaming kids and i'm tired at night just being kind of graceful myself but if you have more time than others your COVID legacy or whatever is doing like at least one thing each day it doesn't mean learning a full skill one day but maybe watching that one or ten minute video on linkedin to get better at something or uh, for the building the network, at least reaching out to that one person you haven't reached out to in a while and that networking. So, you know, just doing one little thing a day that over time, no matter how long this process is, when it compounds on each other, you come out on the other end of this, uh, a stronger, more resilient, more productive person. I like you talking about little things compounding because I know for me, I've been feeling 
does this email to this alum even matter? Does this call even matter? We don't know, but to apply it to what you're saying, that every call adds up, every interaction strengthens the relationship, that does inspire me. 100%, I think that's great. And I think what you're saying is, you're almost building, you're investing in your, in your network, you're investing in your social capital. You know, it's almost like that stock where you just drop a couple dollars every now and then, but over time it's going to grow. Sometimes the work of what you're doing is not seen by you. Like, you know how they say, make your money work for you in stock, right? I think the same thing with reputation and branding and, and networking, right? Out there in the world, because we did this podcast, there's someone out there that's going to listen to this. And then we invested in that and then it grows. And then by some happenstance, we, we're going to yield the benefit of that organic, out there in the world, digital thing. So you doing that little email or the phone call, you don't know what behind the scenes that is doing or how that's growing and it's building. It's, it's like that snowball that's rolling down a hill. And so that one email could have been the one email that this person forwarded to this person and they forwarded to someone else. And then you get a call three weeks later that you didn't even know they were forwarding your email around and then they want to connect with you and work with you. And, and you might not see it for a while, but it's going to come back. So thinking about that donor, that could have been just it could have been just the right email, but you never know. It could be that one email, that one email to a donor sparked someone to donate ten million dollars. You don't know that. It could have been that first email, but ten years later they donate ten million dollars. You started it because you sent them that one email. Small or big, it's gonna have an impact. Well, Phil, I feel like now I'm seeing why you're so good at your job because <laughs> you're giving us a mini session here on career development. Uh, yeah, no, I just like talking. <laughs> I like talking. I like reading. I like. I like to learn. I like. I love. I love learning stuff. I love reading. I love stories of people. And most times when I listen to stories of people, it's that same thing. Like, yeah, like man, that one phone call changed my life. And you're like, oh man, you don't know the effect of your actions at that moment. You don't know mm -hmm. that, one, that one smile made someone's day. You don't know a lot of stuff. So it kind of builds upon that legacy thing and it kind of builds upon how I go about, I'm not gonna be the, I'm not gonna say I'm 100% per perfect or I feel like I'm hitting all cylinders at my job. Some days I'm like, this one's trash. I don't know why I'm doing this. But then some days I get that little nugget of reward where I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. A student emailed me and said they got a job because of some action I did. Boom, that's the fuel. I think of that too. Like give yourself some fuel, whatever that you need to say, well, because of this email, they got, the kids got scholarships, the donors donated and really made a big impact on the university I'm working at. Whatever you need, if you need that, if you need a folder in your email to kind of come back to to see, okay, when I do this stuff, it, it, it makes a difference and use that as fuel. And I ain't gonna lie, I do have a good, I have a good news folder in my email. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I, just, I don't have that. Yeah, I just save them. The emails that make you feel good? Yeah, the ones where it's like altruism, selfish altruism, where it says like tangibly, I helped someone. I can look, right. back, I can re look back and reflect on it. Maybe, you know, I didn't really make a difference. And I, I read that email and say, Philip, you helped me get a job. I'm so excited. Boom, okay, that's all I need. Boom, I'm back to work. I'm back to it. All of this positivity is making me think that you should tell us about the positive filter. I thought I was going to start a podcast and I didn't start for like six months later because I was nervous and shy. Or not shy, but that's hard to believe. Not shy. I meant to say like more like nervous and anxious about. <laughs> okay, myself. that's more believable. Yeah, and more like if it's not good, I'm not going to do it. But then I finally released a podcast, and it's been one of the best things for me. I, I, I don't. It's not. I don't have a sponsor. It's not like a money thing. It's just been a creative outlet. I love 
talking. I've used it to learn. I'll listen to other people's podcasts. I listen to your podcast. That's how we connect it. Positive filter for me. I like to say it's one big business card. It's giving me opportunities to network and connect with other people, other thoughts, learn. I've learned so much. But the thing is, I love about the podcast is when I learn from my guests, I get to document it and other people get to learn as well. So I just love it. It's just and where can our listeners find your channel? Positive filter on all the things. And it's positive, like the normal positive, I mean, the word. But filter is spelled P-H-I-L-T-E-R because I'm so smart and clever. That is why. I love it. I do think it's clever. It kind of has a double entendre, you know, like as we take in information in the world, we filter it too, you know? That's right. I take in, I take in what I want to take in. I put out what I want to put out. I try my best. I will say I have bad days just like everyone else, but I try to look at the good in the world. I try to filter through my perspective and say, even in adversity and challenges, what good can I learn? What can I, can I do to grow and be a better person? Thank you for giving us a dose of positivity and some great ideas and just another perspective from higher ed. Yes. I would love to end our conversation with my signature question, which is, Phil, what yeah. do you know for sure? Like my life philosophy, what I know for sure? Um, yes. I'm, I'm going to say this for real, is that we are here for a reason. That reason may not be known to you, and this sounds kind of morbid, you might go to the grave and not know the reason why you're here, but there is a reason. Usually that reason is because of the same thing, as I said, impact. Everyone here in this earth, we're all interconnected, big or small, we have an impact on others. No one's life is insignificant. Everyone's life has purpose. Everyone's life has meaning. Everyone belongs here. Everyone deserves to be here. And everyone has the responsibility to do good while they're here. By doing good, you don't know the effect that it's going to have on other people. Now, do I know mine? I'm coming into it. I'm trying to figure it out as I go along. And so I also employ you to think about that. I know you're here for a reason. I know my friends are here. My wife is here. My boys are here. Everyone's here. And that, that kind of keeps me connected to people. And it kind of makes me want to be nice to people too. Well, I think we all needed to hear that today. I really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. So what will your COVID legacy be? Legacy isn't a question we should only be asking our donors. Ask yourself, why are you here? How do you want to leave your institution? And what can your actions with donors and the people in your life do? to compound and accomplish good in the world. Have a great day, and thanks for listening.